0: Welcome to Deconstructed, Episode 1, Dirtbags, Turner, and Brown. Father's Day, 1995. 21-year-old Jennifer Evans, an only child, called her dad to wish him a happy Father's Day before a night out in Virginia Beach with two of her best friends. Jennifer, a pre-med student at Emory University, had been looking forward to some time away from her studies and having a little fun that week with her closest friends. Jennifer knew this vacation would probably be her last for at least a little while. Medical school was looming, and then a career in pediatrics. Her college friend said it was more of a calling for her than a career. At Emory University, On the outskirts of Atlanta, Jennifer had shined. She was on the dean's list with nearly perfect grades and was one of the university's most promising students. When she wasn't studying, she was volunteering at a children's hospital. Man. Just up the road, Dusty Turner and Billy Joe Brown were also looking to blow off some steam. These were two new guy SEAL recruits, meaning they had gone through BUDS, but they hadn't gotten their trident yet. They were attached to Little Creek Naval Amphibious Base and were just looking to have some fun. Dusty joined the Navy through an early entrance program in his senior year at Bloomington High School. He was 17 years old. Just before his 19th birthday, he was accepted to SEAL training, basic underwater demolition SEAL training in Coronado, California. He was among the youngest recruits in his class of 116 recruits. By the end of his grueling basic training, Only 20 remained. Dusty was among them. So was Billy Brown. Billy was a high school dropout and was three years older than Dusty. His teenage years were a little troublesome. While Dusty was winning high school swim meets, a 17-year-old Billy married his 14-year-old girlfriend in Ohio. Yeah, 14. Once, in front of several police officers, Billy beat her. He grabbed her by the hair and dragged her down the sidewalk as police officers tried to stop him. The backstory, the young couple were arguing over infidelity. Billy accused his wife of sleeping with four other people, and she accused him of sleeping with her sister, and several other girls. After the argument became physical, police showed up. And this was a powerful boy in a man's body. Billy shrugged them off like a running back casting aside tacklers. He kept dragging his wife by the hair as police officers piled on. Keep in mind, this was before the Navy. It took at least three police officers to handcuff him. Inside the police car, Billy started banging his head against a protective shield until a knot swelled up on his forehead. Because of his age, the police report was tucked into a sealed juvenile record. The Navy said they didn't know about the arrest when Billy was accepted into the Navy and SEAL training. Even though the two sailors had come from vastly different backgrounds, they became inseparable. Unfamiliar with the club scene in Virginia Beach, Jennifer and her friends drove around and finally ended up at the Bayou, a large dance club on the ground floor of a hotel on 19th Street, several blocks from the ocean. The Bayou, now closed, was a hot, loud place where young people converged to drink and dance and listen to live music and meet up with each other and probably hook up with each other as well. It attracted tourists, locals, and even Navy SEALs from time to time. They were all based there at Little Creek Naval Amphibious Base. As for Dusty and Billy, they also decided to hit up the bayou that night. Billy had gone home from the club with a woman he met the previous night. But on this night, he seemed only interested in getting shitfaced, as he often did. Billy was downing beers, mixed drinks, and shots of bourbon at a dizzying pace. A band called the Killroes was playing on an elevated stage. Above a dance floor where a pack of partiers bounced to the lead singer's throaty lyrics. Jennifer eyed a blonde man with broad shoulders and a charming smile. Looks like your type, Jennifer's friend told her. Jennifer smiled. And then she was brave enough to stroll towards the stranger. It was about midnight. She said hi. Hi. He responded with, hey, sipping from his can of Coors Light. Her friend, who had grown up in a military family in Virginia Beach, warned Jennifer that half the men in the local bars claimed to be Navy SEALs. To impress women, of course. But Dusty's driver's license seemed to confirm his claim. This kid used the SEAL Team 4 address, as his home. And it was on his driver's license. At about 1 a.m., Jennifer's friends insisted, it's time to leave. She dragged her feet. She's nursing her second and last beer. Her friends were tired. They didn't really care for Dusty, who seemed to ignore them. Finally, her friend held up the keys and jiggled them, and informed Jennifer, we're leaving. Jennifer followed her out to the parking lot to her friend's car and got into the left rear passenger seat behind the driver's seat. Dusty stood by the car. He said, hey, I'll I'll call you once you're back to your cottage. Her friend replied, no, that's going to wake up my family. Please don't call. Dusty wanted to hang out with Jennifer more, so Dusty then volunteered to drive Jennifer home. Her friend said no. Uh, Jennifer was going home with them. Jennifer suggested a compromise. She would stay for another hour until closing at 2 a.m. Her friends could, you know, go grab a coffee or go hang out for a little bit and then return at 2 a.m. to pick her up. So Jennifer got out of the car and just said, y'all better be here at two o'clock, she told her friends. Her friend noticed that Jennifer and Dustin walked back into the club. Jennifer looked happy. Her friend said she was almost skipping. Her friends would never see her again. A few minutes later, inside the club, Dusty asked his friend, Kristen, to give the drunken Billy a ride home. Kristen was an off-duty bartender at the Bayou who had dated Billy, and she agreed as long as Billy understood that the favor would not include sex. As the lights flickered for last call, Kristen told Dusty, hey, Make sure you use a condom if you hook up with this chick. His only response was a little smile. Kristen saw Dusty and Jennifer walk out the door towards the parking lot, holding hands. A few minutes later, Billy, agitated and unsteady on his feet, declared he was ready to go home. Kristen said, I have to wait for one of my friends to finish her shift, and then I will take you home. Billy said, no, I'm not going to wait. I want to go home now. I'm going to go find Dusty. And he set out towards the parking lot. It was 1.45 a.m. Billy spotted Dusty's geostorm in the parking lot and saw the pair in the front seats. Dusty and Jennifer were sitting in his car waiting for Jennifer's friends and chatting it up. An extremely intoxicated Billy forced his way into the back seat and began insulting Jennifer and then pulling her hair. When she tried to defend herself, Billy attacked her, wrapped his arm around her neck, and pulled as hard as he could towards the headrest, killing her instantly. All the while, Dusty had been prying and clawing Billy's arm off of Jennifer, pleading with him to stop, finally realizing that she was dead. Dusty panicked and reacted to his intensive SEAL training that demanded always protect your swim buddy, regardless of the cost. Dusty's survival instinct and loyalty to Billy took over as he drove out of the Bayou parking lot. And then he helped hide Jennifer's body in a nearby wooded area. Eight days later, Dusty confessed the entire story to his commanding officer at SEAL Team 4 and agreed to take the police to the body after being assured that he would only be used as a witness during the trial. During Billy's trial, In 96, Billy testified against Dusty to receive a lesser sentence of 72 years in prison. Three months later, with an outraged community and media frenzy surrounding the case, Dusty was convicted of first-degree murder and abduction and sentenced to 82 years in prison. Wow, what a friend. In 2002, Billy finally confessed to Jennifer's murder and said that Dusty played no part in it. Dusty petitioned for a right of actual innocence, and his conviction was overturned by a three-judge panel in Virginia. However, the state attorney general quickly appealed this decision, and the original Court of Appeals ruling was overturned. To date, Dusty has served 26 years in prison, over half his life. Billy remains in prison for the rest of his life. In April of 1996, Emory University established the Jennifer Lee Evans Memorial Scholarship Award. The award is given each year, to a rising senior at Emory University who has exhibited passion for caring for the sick, injured, or disabled children. And who has demonstrated throughout his or her high school and college years a love and capacity for working with children. Wow. All right. Let's deconstruct this. Starting macro Right out, of the, right out of the gate here, generally speaking, we have to touch on parenting, right? All three of these young adults were in those transition years. And generally speaking, us as parents, we do everything we can to set our children up for these exact times, right? Going off to college or joining the military. These were teenagers, right? And we only have one shot to instill them with discipline and doing the right thing, knowing the difference between right and wrong. I mean, it's a lot of work. And I feel like Jennifer was probably parented really well. I mean, let's face it. She was off to school, making great grades, about to become a pediatrician. Then you got Dusty. Dusty made horrible, life-changing decisions. It's hard to say what happened there. But Billy, Billy certainly had some issues. He was either not parented at all, or his parents were horrible. And on a side note, as it relates to parenting, i got to touch a little bit on my time in Saudi Arabia. I grew up over there, second grade to high school, and the one thing that I agree with with that culture is the father is held responsible for the family's actions. I mean, as a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, I always thought twice before I did something stupid. That doesn't mean I didn't do it. But I always thought about, like, man, do I want my dad to get in trouble for this? It guided me. Even at that young of age, I actually was conscious enough to think, yeah, I don't want my dad getting in trouble for this. I feel like we have something to learn here in the Western societies where, hey, parents should be held, held, held responsible, you know, at, at a certain level, some form of consequence, something. But I also recognize that there's just people out there that aren't equipped to be good parents, right? But I do feel like over time, if we had some kind of system in place Um, or the dads are held responsible, then they're going to play a bigger role in their family and in their kids' lives. They're going to teach them right and wrong and hopefully put them out there so that we can have a better future, right? So they can have a better future so that their kids can have a better future. Parenting. And I've always said, and I'll say it again, the biggest tool you can give your kids is self-discipline, right? You have to say no to them until they can say no to themselves. And it will last them a lifetime. Obviously, some parenting skills were definitely needed uh, for Turner and Brown. Screening, okay? The Navy missed this one, right? And I don't know much about juvenile records and everything being under wraps and all that, I kind of find it ridiculous that if you're going to go work for the United States government that a local judiciary system can't provide them with what someone did. I mean, his act of violence towards his teenage wife, um, I mean, he should never have been allowed to go in the Navy. And certainly never allowed to go to buds dusty on the other hand he was screened i'm not sure how you can screen for making bad decisions you know i would put that somewhere between his age and upbringing or just panic right dusty panicked and made bad decisions but i'm not sure there's a way to vet that you know i've got a lot of buddies who've made bad decisions but were great SEALs. In this case, Dusty just went down the wrong path. He really went down the wrong path, considering all he was wanting to do was hang out with Jennifer, you know? That's it. And Jennifer, man, you know, she was just waiting for her friends. 15 minutes her friends were going to be there to pick her up, waiting in that passenger seat, chit-chatting with this new boy she met. next piece of the equation. You've heard me say it. If you avoid stupid people, stupid places, and stupid times of the night, you probably won't find yourself in a bad situation. Two of those you can control, right? You can control the stupid places, and you can control the stupid times of night. Unfortunately, we are surrounded 24-7 by stupid people. That would be my biggest tip. Okay. Control what you're doing. Stupid places at stupid times and nights, surrounded by stupid people, uh, isn't going to do you any good. Stranger danger. Now we tell our kids this, but some for some reason, when we become adults or young adults, it kind of goes out the window. Okay. There is no way that you're going to get to know someone. Right in a couple of hours at a bar drinking. You don't know if you can trust them in a couple of hours drinking. You don't know what's rattling around inside their mind in a couple of hours while you're drinking. You don't know if they're dangerous in that couple of hours while you're drinking. Right, You don't know. So you have to treat them like a stranger from beginning to end until you can get to know them in a more civilized environment. There's no rush, people. There's no rush. We don't just stay up all night. I know. I did it. You did it. Everyone does it. <laughs> it's who we are as humans, right? We don't want the night to end. We're having a good time. But in this case, man, if the night, if the night only ended when her friend said, let's go, as they jiggled those car keys, right? Jennifer would probably still be here with us today. Of course, I'm armchair quarterbacking this thing, and might not be fair talking about it in retrospect, but pulling out some of these details, highlighting them, and using them as as reminders, I think, is important, okay? Which leads me to drinking, okay? Strangers intoxicated, yeah. You really won't get to know them. You have no idea what you're dealing with right? In my experience, having traveled the globe and been to a lot of bars with a lot of intoxicated people, you know, by looking in someone's eyes, if alcohol makes them angry or if alcohol makes them happy. I had buddies in my platoon that once they started drinking, they got that look and it was in their eyes usually meant there was going to be a fight, right? Then I had buddies. You look at them, and their eyes are relaxed, and they're just wanting to have a good time all night long, right? But That alcohol thing, boy, it's a little bit of a crapshoot when you're dealing with strangers. The buddy system. Jennifer had her buddy system smart. You should always have a buddy system, especially females. There's no need to be going out to a bar by yourself, no matter what kind of day you had or what emotions are running through you or how bored you are. It's not worth it. Okay. Save it for another night when you have at least one, two, three people to go out with you. The buddy system works. But it will only work if you start the night with your buddy system and you end the night with your buddy system. Dusty and Billy, well, heck, their buddy system had solidified in buds when they were swim buddies. So they've been looking out for each other for quite some time. And in this case, Dusty was looking out for Billy In the wrong way. Of course in the SEAL teams. We gel. We bond. We become family. Everyone is your best friend. Um, And we have a joke right? If I called you in the middle of the night. And asked you to help me bury a body. Would you? The answer is always yes. But now this is reality. Should Dusty have helped get rid of a body for Billy? Probably not. Because the consequence has put him in prison for the rest of his life. Bad decision. Bad, bad decision. Skills of prevention and response. Well, the drinking piece. Generally speaking, for women and men these days, You buy your own drinks. You maintain control of your drink until you get the next one. Right? It's really simple. A lot of times we say this for females because they don't want to get roofied. Right? you got to maintain control of your drinks. But I would say these days with fentanyl and crazy stuff that's out there, whether you are a woman or a man, you better maintain control of your beverages from beginning to end just so nothing gets put in your drink, okay? Awareness, okay? You're going to probably hear me hit this over and over again, no matter the tragedy, because awareness goes a long ways. As I mentioned before, looking in people's eyes who've been drinking, you'll know. You'll know if if they're happy or if they're getting angry, and then you can steer clear. But if you're not paying attention to that, then you're not going to know. Billy obviously probably had evil in his eyes if anybody would have looked, right? Dusty uh, sounds like he was just casually drinking. He wasn't looking to get shit-faced, and he probably just had, you know, curiosity and happiness in his eyes. But you have to pay attention, right? You get into these nightclubs, you better know where the exits are. If you look at the Orlando shooting, I mean, man... That shooter came through the door, positioned himself near the bathroom, killed everybody in the bathroom, turned around, used the door frame of the bathroom, knowing that nobody could sneak up from behind him, and then just started laying waste, right? So, so many things that can go wrong on a night out these days. And, um, yeah, know where your exits are, okay? There's not just the one you came in. There's more. Make sure you know where they are. Pay attention to the people around you. Especially pay attention to the people who are creeping in closer and closer and closer to you, okay? Especially you young women, right? You're going to have a boy. He might see you from afar. He's going to find a reason to get closer and closer and closer. Before you know it, he's hitting elbows with you, striking up conversation. Pay attention. Awareness is everything. Next, your level of consciousness. Now, LOC is what we use in the medical world, right, when you find someone who's injured, and there's levels of awareness. But I would say it applies when you get into environments where there's alcohol and drugs and any other substance. You need to maintain your level of consciousness, right? It needs to be as high as you can maintain it in order to keep your wits about you right? You want to be able to see what's going on. You want to be able to make good decisions, and you want to be able to react properly, right? The more alcohol you start to take in, the less you're going to see, the worse your decisions will become, and your reaction time will significantly be hindered, okay? That's nothing new, buddy system obviously is a great preventative tool because now you've got a group you're communicating with one another through the night you're keeping an eye on each other through the night you have a drop dead time that you're going to meet at the exit you're going to literally say this is our rally point if we get separated right here just outside the doors or back at our car or out on the patio, okay. Establish a rally point just in case. Establish a time you're going to meet at that rally point. If it's going to be before close, which is what I would recommend, right? If a place is closing at 2 a.m., you need to get out of there between 1 and 1:30. 1 you don't want to be part of that mad rush and all those drunk idiots that now are bored as soon as the lights go on and the fights start to erupt, and all the crazy antics that go on in the parking lots, right? Just meet a little early, at your rally point, long before closing, and go home. You don't need to stay out all night. But you won't. You'll stay out all night, just like I did, of course. Other preventative measures. Tools, right? Tools that you can have on you. Obviously, you want to have a fully charged cell phone. Make sure that you have a zip-up purse or man bag that you can sling it across you, right? Uh, make sure you've got cash. Make sure you have a credit card. You know, simple things to keep you safe at night. Now, let's dig in to more specifics with Jennifer. She met this guy. She did good. Her friends saw this person, right? They obviously looked at his driver's license. Good. These are all great tactics, right? I mean, whether they did it on purpose or not, even if they were just trying to prove that he's a Navy SEAL, you know, um, they did good. Now, not going with her friends. I really wish she would have gone with her friends right? You can collect a phone number, and like I said at the beginning, you can get to know someone in a more civilized environment, okay? Start with your buddy system, you end with the buddy system. Do not, okay, do not let that go to the wayside. She finds herself walking out to the car safely. They were holding hands, for crying out loud, right? He gets in the driver's seat, she gets in the passenger seat, Okay, for you women and men, okay? Pay attention. The doors. Sometimes they have an auto lock feature, right? You're getting into the car, close the doors, listen. That's an audible. You'll know if they lock or don't lock, okay? If you hear them lock, immediately grab that handle. Pull it once, the door doesn't unlock and doesn't open. Pull it twice then it'll probably open. If it doesn't, now you're looking for other ways, hitting the unlock button or manually. Back then, there probably was a manual little thumb knob that you pull up on to unlock the door. But make sure you have an out. Make sure you can exit, okay? This applies to Ubers as well before you get in. Make sure the child locks aren't in place, right? You turn the child lock on, then when you get in the back seat, the doors aren't gonna open. Um, But you can have that uh, changed by the driver before you even take that ride. Okay. Next, Dusty and Billy's relationship. When Billy walks up to that car drunk, I really wish Dusty would have immediately got out and kind of said, Hey, 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 I thought you were getting a ride with someone else. I wish he would have become a blocking force of sorts for Jennifer, you know, and just be a good friend, but get him into someone else's car. Right. That would have been nice, but probably not running through Dusty's head at that moment in time. Right. And Jennifer obviously couldn't keep him out of his own best friend's vehicle. Okay. Now, geostorms, there's not a lot of room in those things. And most of you listening probably don't even know what those are, but they're these little itty-bitty coffins, okay? No pun intended, but tiny little cars. I believe they were two doors. So for a big kid like Billy to squeeze into that back seat, I mean, he had to open the door, push her forward. There's a lot going on here where Dusty could have intervened. He didn't. Now, Billy's in the back seat. He's drunk. He's being vulgar. Okay, Jennifer, at this moment, this is where I would say, hey, let's just get off the X, right? You got somebody behind you, which puts you in a vulnerable position and he's acting out. That's when you get out of the car, get out of that car. There's no need to stay there, right? Take your seatbelt off or she probably didn't even have her seatbelt on and just open that door go ahead and say, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. And in Jennifer's defense, you know, hey, who would have thought that the drunk idiot getting in the back seat was going to get violent versus what most people do, pass out, right? It's a tough one. It really is. And of course, Jennifer isn't going to know that Hey, I need to get off the X. She's just a kid. But we can all learn from it. Getting off the X is important. But the only way you're going to do it successfully is if you pay attention from the very beginning before anything goes bad, right? You have to look at your surroundings. Whether it's the nightclub or that car, you've got to know you're out. And you've got to give yourself thresholds, right? Obviously, after hearing the story of some drunk, belligerent person is getting in a back seat behind you, I think we're all going to just go ahead and exit stage right. Just, I'm getting out of this car. I don't want anything to do with that guy, especially after the vulgar comments he made. And then once the hair pulling begins, let's talk about, is there anything she could have done there? Anything you could do if you found yourself in that situation. And that is immediately 180 in that seat, right? Get turned around and get eyes on the bad guy. At the same time trying to open that door, screaming for help, making any noise you can and not relying on Dusty sitting next to you to intervene. He hadn't intervened up to this point. Sounds like he tried to intervene a little bit, but who knows? Only those guys know what really happened inside that car. But as your hair, if someone gets a grip on your head or your hair, turn, right? Get eyes on, get your arms, which are your barricades between you and them, right? Then you can get a hold of that hand or that arm that is holding on to your hair or your head. And it's creating a gap between you and them and also the back seat of that vehicle. Okay, now let's move to an arm suddenly comes around and grabs your throat. That's a tough one. Reaction speed is everything here, right? There's this thing called the reactionary gap. If I'm standing within arm's distance of you, the listener, and I tell you, hey, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to touch you right in the center of your chest, and I want you to block it, okay? Three times out of three, I'm probably going to reach out very quickly and thump you in the chest, and your block is going to be late, okay? Because inside the reactionary gap, whoever moves first wins, And if I can catch you off guard, that's even better. And that's why I always tell people you have to respect the element of surprise. So Billy says vulgar things, pulls her hair, immediately wraps that forearm around her neck, and then pulls her head against that headrest. Probably collapsing her airway, cutting off blood, all in one shot. And he had to have probably done it for a little while to kill her so quickly. It's a tough situation. Um, And probably the, the lesson learned out of this is just don't get yourself in these situations to begin with. Okay? Stupid people, stupid places, stupid times of the night. And those parents, that was their only child. I can't even imagine what they go through every day since their daughter passed away. I know that if my daughter, my only child, ended up in this situation, everybody genetically related to Billy would probably suffer the same consequence as Jennifer. No doubt in my mind. Just the vigilante in me. All right. Until next time, please, please be safe out there.